Hi Steppers, Happy New Year, Kaz here and welcome to 2021. If you're listening to this then congratulations, you made it through 2020. What the heck was that all about? I did want to record this intro out and about but I'm currently isolating so indoors it is. There is so much hope going forward though as we've just been informed by the angel folk in Oxford that there is another vaccine about to be rolled out. So let's hope that this year allows for a brighter and safer year for everyone. How did the tail end of 2020 go for you? I hope you had a lovely time. I had a nice time and I'm now really looking forward to this year's guests. I have some lovely ones lined up for you already. So don't forget to subscribe to this podcast to automatically be alerted about episode releases. And if you didn't manage to exchange presents physically with your loved ones at Christmas, about popping them over this link. Anyway, I hope you manage to get some walking done over the festive time. Perhaps you're feeling super fit and raring to go after doing your usual activity routine, or perhaps, like a lot of us, you have filled yourself up with Frere Rocher and brandy chasers and are going to need a bit of motivation. I was grateful to have finished the North Pole 300k challenge I set myself in December and had a few fresh air leisurely stroll sessions with the allowed people and I did manage to shoehorn in some longer walks when the cabin fever set in a bit so that was nice, especially in the chilly air. Hey, whatever you feel like now people, it's totally fine. Too many mince pies? Fine. Too many sausage rolls? Fine. We're here now, aren't we? And we are not going backwards. Certainly not to 2020. So, onwards we go to a bit more health and a bit more fitness. Okay, let's move into the next episode. After last year's debacle, we can be fully prepared for a bit more of having to exercise outside. And if you only plan to do that for lockdown purposes, I hope you've realized the many benefits and now have it firmly in your routine going forward. I mean, people have been walking and running outdoors on this planet way before time began, haven't they? So if nothing else, 2020 has given us that fresh air feeling back even if you've been walking your whole life. If you have been walking more, you may be ready to walk a bit further or a bit quicker. And so I wanted to create an episode about how to travel ultra light whilst out on the trails to help you feel comfortable and prepared with some technical bling. Don't be concerned about stepping out of your comfort zone too much after hearing that word technical. This simply refers to the way the gear is made and in no way involves you being technical or indeed blingy although it's all up to you. On this episode, I'm going to talk through a bit about what gear you need to get going for walking at a brisk pace and therefore going ultra light. So kind of a new year equipment diet really. I'll take a bottom to top approach, starting with footwear and working up to your head, describing what I or any other sport walker may wear for hobby, training and ultra events. If you're thinking, whoa, what? That all sounds seriously pro, man. Don't worry. It's not advice just for people who want to compete in or complete mega distances. It's for anyone who would like to walk for fitness and enjoyment without cumbersome gear slowing you down. The events may naturally come later, and I talk a bit about that at the end. So if you're ready to hit the trails in perhaps a different way to heavy hiking or Sunday strolling, this episode will help you prepare for walking faster, for longer and more efficiently than perhaps you are already. Grab a pen and paper or open your fave notes app and sprinkle your day with some info on how you can hit the trails as light as a feather 
and with a spring in your step. Oh, and if you stick around, you'll grab a tasty trail snack recipe at the end. So let's dive right in and I'll see you later. Okay, so step one, get it, feet, shoes. One day I'll stop the puns, but probably not whilst I'm still walking this earth. Right, so feet, shoes, a hugely important part of walking. I'm sure you'll agree. And for this reason, hugely important to get right when you're walking. Many a blister gained and toenail lost is due to poor footwear and what you put in the footwear in the form of socks. Now, there are so many makes out there of trail shoes, uh, otherwise known as trainers, oh, walking boots, running shoes, different names for different things. And I'm afraid to tell you that a lot of it is going to be trial and error for you because like everything else on your body, you are a complete individual and you need to make sure that it's completely right for you what you pick so what i will say though i'll give you some advice is try and go for trail shoes or running shoes now i take a slight hesitation when i say running shoes because you do have to watch the sole now running shoes because there's more pressure on the sole more weight bearing down on that sole tend to be a bit more cushy than walking trail shoes and so you need to watch they're not too cushy because otherwise you really can't get that connection and it can feel like you're walking on a bit of a cloud which sounds lovely but it isn't necessarily good for walking so make sure you always try them on always check that sole and if you flip the shoe over you'll see on the bottom hopefully if you pick a decent pair that there is a good set of lugs on the bottom now these are the little bits that stick out the bottom of the sole for grip the grippy bits we'll call them the technical term here so these lugs need to be of a decent length not too long a little bit like goldilocks not too short because too long you'll gather lots and lots of mud as you walk through those woods and muddy paths um, and leaves and things will get stuck in them but not too short uh, which will make you slip so oh it's a tricky one to get right it really is and you just have to kind of judge it uh, what's good if you can is to get lugs that are facing backwards on the heel and forwards on the toe in other words when you go down a hill the open end of the lug is facing down the hill on the heel okay because that's the grippy bit that's what you want and when you're going up a hill you want the lugs open part to face down the hill on the toe area if that makes sense so just flip them over and have a look if you flip them over and they are fairly uniform all the way along completely flat you will be slipper sliding all over the place so lugs are pretty important there are loads and loads of different makes out there there are three fairly popular brands that i'll talk about here um, the first one is salomon s-a-l 
S-A-M-O-N, or was it S-A-L-O-M-O-N? One of the two. Like Solomon, but with an A at the beginning. Yes, O-M-O-N. So they are really popular, and you'll see those everywhere now, I've told you. You're welcome, Salomon. Uh, really good for running and walking, so check those out. They're pretty good on the trail. Um, another make are hockers. They're also very popular, um, but I've read quite subjective to your feet, particular shape, particular feel on the heel as well, which are good for some people but not others. It also depends on the height of your instep. Oh, so many things. Your toes, the width of your feet. Uh, I personally, uh, this third one, I wear La Sportivas and I find that once I bought a pair of those, there was no looking back. And the reasons for that are they've got a perfect lug length. They've also got a really, really, really good sole on them uh, in terms of cushioning. So I don't need to worry too much about them being too thick or too thin. And they, whilst advertisers fairly wide, I don't find them too wide on my feet. I do not have wide feet. Um, but they do have a good toe box and what I'm saying here reminds me very much of a video that Roger Burlinson has done at Sportwalk uh, about this very shoe actually it's perfect so if you whiz on over to YouTube and punch in Sportwalk and look for Akashas you will find a really informative video all about these he swears by them as well in fact he gave me the idea and I thank him very much because I had a number of pairs before that just weren't working for me and these are the best I have a couple of pairs now I've got a summer pair which are not waterproof and the ones I'm currently wearing are my winter pair which are called lichens but the name might change from year to year so if you can't find them, just look up GTEx Acacias or Gore-Tex or La Sportiva waterproof Acacias, something like that. And you'll find, uh, hopefully you'll find a pair there. They're not too expensive. Uh, I mean, all trainers are fairly expensive. You need to spend a fair amount to get a decent pair. But in the scheme of things, I don't find these too bad. So I would definitely recommend those. They're the ones that that I use. Um, obviously watch that width for a long time and this is absolutely ridiculous and when I hear myself saying this I can't believe I did it. I was wearing a shoe size too small, uh, at least half size. I was aware that my right foot was bigger than my left foot, and lots of people's are, or the other way around, but uh, I didn't realise I was wearing half a size too small and in fact I did a couple of ultras in those and whilst it was okay when I put on a pair that fit me wow what a difference like a pair of gloves so do make sure that you get the right size and in fact I would recommend going up half a size because that allows you to then wear more socks or double socks or thicker socks and uh, that's really good for preventing blisters um, do be careful which socks you wear cheap and cheerfuls aren't always the best thin socks aren't always the best despite what you might hear 
especially for walking versus running. Um, you want to make sure they don't slide around inside too much or make your feet too hot. Look for ones that have breathable sections in across the top of the foot uh, because that's obviously your feet need to give off a little bit of heat. So if you can find some like that. But again, trial and error. Go to sports shops, shop online, wherever it is you get them from, and just try them. Uh, I've got a whole box of socks that I don't wear for that reason, which is terrible. And uh, I say don't wear. I wear them, but I just don't wear them for walking anymore. So just watch those. There are also things called toe socks, which a client of mine swears by. She has a few feet issues, and she wears these all the time. And they are socks with individual toes in them. So you put one, your big toe in one slot, your second toe in the next slot, and so on, until you get to your little piggy on the end. And apparently, they are really comfortable. And I have not tried these yet, but I am going to. My 2021, uh, well, it's not resolution, don't really do those. <laughs> but if I did have one, it would be to try toe socks because I can imagine that they, because they keep your toes apart, um, they stop, you know, sweat and you can get problems with that. Possibly, I don't know, preventing uh, toenail situations. I don't know, but I'm going to try them out and maybe I'll do a review of those later on down the line. But they sound interesting to me, so I'm going to try them. Uh, another thing you might want to consider is laces. Now, obviously all trainers come with laces and I have worn shoes with laces as is for a long time. But more recently I discovered lock laces. And again, something sent from heaven because they are basically long pieces of elastic that you uh, thread through your trainer loops instead of the laces and you bring them out the end and you put a nice little clip on the top and they've also got one of those little clippy things that you often find on uh, drawstring bags where you pull them down and make them tighter and I find these are the best because when you're doing ultras or long distances or any form of walking really your feet can expand and get hot and to undo laces and do them back up and all that business it can really be a chore so and you don't want to stop necessarily so these you can just pinch in that little clip and loosen them slightly or the other way around you can tighten them up as well so i find those to be really really clever and i now have them on my, all my trainers uh, and they're particularly good if you receive a pair of trainers and they have i find some laces are quite i don't know how to describe them quite slippy shiny almost waxy like when they arrive and also the round variety of laces for me I just do not get those uh, they just slip there's no resistance on them whatsoever if you do wear laces and that's all cool because lots of people do uh, make sure you pull them up and loop them into the very very top holes if you have a pair of trainers nearby grab them and you'll see that you might not be using them not many people do um, you can loop them through the top holes however don't loop them crossways as if you're just doing another loop for each side another tie-in for each side of the lace 
when you've got to the second, the, the, the penultimate uh, hole on each side, take that same lace on that side and post it through the very last hole at the top of the shoe. Okay, so don't cross it over onto the other side. Keep it on that side and that's meant to help you tighten your shoe as you go along. So that's another little, little tip there. So laces, lock laces. You're welcome, lock laces. Um, fairly reasonable price as well, so definitely recommend those. Oh, in all sorts of colours as well, so you can style it up. And um, talking about style, uh, please go for it. I mean, I wouldn't want to buy a pair of trainers that I didn't want to look at a lot. And there are so many out there, and it's really tempting when you find your size, your width, your make, your type of make, whatever your style within the make to just go oh they've only got that color left and just to go for it uh, shop around because there's so many places that sell them wiggle is a good place um, sportshoes.com is a really really good place uh, there are so many online so just hold out and also hold out for sales as well because what's one week could be uh, 130 pound pair of trainers the next week could be 75 so you're saving quite a lot of money and you can spend all that money on more technical wear so just have a little hunt around hold back i think laura and i spent about oh, a good two to three months researching that's laura hobson my trail buddy uh, what we were going to wear on our feet and we were backwards and forwards backwards and forwards she went for a completely different make to me and swears by them um, so you do have to try them out and also wear them in the house when you get them for a significant amount of time before you decide to take them out on the trail I did part buy a pair of walking boots and they were recommended to me and they're a brilliant make um, I'm not going to say the name because they're a very good make but when I got them they weren't quite right for me. And I stupidly uh, also bought a size a little bit too small for me, but I'd taken them out on the trail thinking, oh, I'm so excited, they look amazing and they feel really good. And then once I started walking, I realized they weren't right for me. So just be careful about that. If you are a walking shoe fan, then by all means go for those. I am not a walking shoe expert because I don't wear them. I find that they often uh, are too bulky uh, and I think if, if they are good in terms of they're not bulky and they're comfortable and everything else, they tend to really be like a trainer anyway. So I would rather go for a trainer. Um, I would definitely, if you're going to do some miles and with a brisk pace, avoid uh, shoes that are or, or walking boots that come up too high and uh, definitely avoid those woolen socks unless you're going hiking in Scotland or somewhere like that for me personally not everybody thinks this way and I'm sure if you're listening to this and you've got a lovely pair of warm broken in walking boots that you swear by you might be shaking your fist and that's fine everybody's has their own um, opinions and I would say just go with yours so this is very subjective like everything else with this technical wear you have to be comfortable and if walking boots is your thing then go for it so feet hugely important so get it right
we've arrived at the ankles. Very important for walking, of course. And really important for support whilst we're walking. And if you are prone to injuries in this area or you've experienced one before, you might want to consider a pretty good pair of ankle socks that come up over your ankle, have a pretty good elastane content in them to keep them nice and supported. I personally wear pretty short socks, however, I do make sure that I buy ones with a lip at the back to make sure that they stay over the back of my trainer and they don't start to work their way down and slip inside my shoe. And so therefore, shoes rubbing on the ankle. So I make sure I get one with lips on the back and not just the ones that go straight across. The other thing that I'm a big fan of is gaiters. Uh, I have a couple of pairs. I have a short pair, which you can wear them throughout the year. Depends on weather. Uh, perhaps today I should have worn my long, long pair. It's pretty muddy, as you can hear. Those will protect my legs, but the short pair are really good as well. They're nice and comfortable. They don't get too hot. They're not waterproof, these ones, but what they do do is they prevent all sorts of little critters getting inside your socks. For example, bits of twig, leaves, tiny bits of mud, stones that get kicked up when you walk along from the back of your shoe and they cunningly jump inside your sock and then work their way down. So if you're on a walk, especially if you don't realise, this can cause all sorts of problems. It's right next to the skin, so it can cause breakages in the skin and just general discomfort and it means that you have to stop, sit on a bench or a log, take off your shoes and your short socks, empty them out, get rid of all the wooded bits that are in there, put them all back on, etc, etc. And this would probably just happen over and over. So, not very good for a, if you're timing yourself. And just a bit of a pain in the neck or pain in the ankle. So I definitely recommend wearing these. They're like a buff for your ankle. They go round and they usually hook onto your laces. So if you buy a decent pair, they'll hook onto the front of your laces, which keep them from moving about. And down the back, they sit nicely on your heel to prevent movement as well. And then you can pull them up at the top, just above the ankle to make sure they're nice and snug. And that stops all the bits flying in. Another pair I have are ones that cover my whole calf area and these are a bit more waterproof and they're great for preventing mud going up your legs and they certainly keep away all the little bits and bobs from getting in. Uh, what I would advise with these and in fact the ankle ones if you can get them is to get some with a quick release mechanism. These bigger ones, taller ones that I have have a zip covered by a velcro section all the way up so when I finish my walk and I'm super duper muddy I can just release the velcro undo the zip and take them off because they do all of them have a strap that goes underneath your foot and that obviously gets very very muddy so you don't want to be really fiddling around with that getting them off so it just means you can take them off and actually 
even if they're not mega muddy, you can take them off, leave them as they are, let them dry overnight, and if you go out the next day, you can just pop them back on and zip them back up. So they're particularly useful. So I would definitely recommend some gaiters. Carbs. We all know that walking is good for us. And that it's also awesome for circulation in the legs. And as a cherry on top, it lowers your blood pressure. Hooray! As well as many other things that it does. But for this body part, I want to mention compression socks. These little extras are sleeves, which snugly cover your calves and sometimes your ankles. And they're designed to act as a kind of second heart to keep your venous circulation and your calves on track. That's the blood that pumps back to your heart. And they're particularly good if you have varicose veins or other circulatory type problems. And I wanted to give you a little biology lesson here, courtesy of Dr. Christopher Baird, as I couldn't have put it better myself. So here goes. The heart isn't strong enough by itself to get the blood back up the veins in our legs and back to your heart. The human body relies on a second system to finish that task. This system involves small valves throughout the veins and muscle contractions from your skeletal muscles when you walk and move about. The valves close when blood starts to flow in one direction, i.e. to the legs, so that blood in the veins can then flow back towards the heart, which is up the legs. When you squeeze your leg muscles to walk, the muscles squeeze the veins and force the blood to get moving. Because of the valves, the blood can only move in one direction as it gets squeezed along. So it is a combination of blood pressure from the heart's pumping action, the valves and muscle movement that gets the blood up the legs again against gravity. If the valve malfunctions, then the blood falls back down to some extent after every muscle contraction and begins to pool in the veins. And this can cause the vein, veins, cause the veins even, to swell with blood, which can be painful and also causes varicose veins. So thank you, Chris, really useful. I personally don't feel the need to use these for everyday walking. They can be a bit tricky to put on. You sort of have to roll them on, a bit like, I suppose, putting a very, very tight pair of tights on. And if you don't have experience of that, yeah, it can be a little bit tricky to get them into position, but once you're used to it, it's okay. But perhaps I should wear them and tend to only wear them for ultras is what I do. So for long distances over about 25 miles or 50K, so whether supported events or just ones made up by me, but if you feel that any of the things that I've mentioned apply to you, then maybe give them a whirl more regularly. Like all the technical wear I've mentioned, and will mention, buy some with good wicking, or in other words, material which is designed to take moisture away from your skin. Okay, 
only if it's comfortable for you. As I mentioned a bit later, I am a fan of cotton for some things, so don't judge me. Overall, these are a great bit of kit to have in your possession and they can be worn under or over leggings or with shorts and if you buy a certain variety, can act as a pair of gaiters really, if they come right down under your heel. So merging in with your socks. So there you go, compression socks. Legs. How important are these? Always talking about walking. Well, you can't really do it without a pair of those. And therefore, we need to make sure that we cover them correctly. Now again, this is all season dependent and person dependent. And there are, this is probably the biggest area. And because there are so many different types of leg covering and everybody's different, I personally uh, don't generally tend to wear trousers. I wear leggings before you think I don't wear anything. And uh, although, having said that, I do have a pair of winter waterproof trousers that I tend to put over the top of leggings. So I still wear leggings, but if I know it's going to be tanking it down or freezing cold, really bitter or snowing or whatever, I put these over the top. So again, that layering system comes into force here. But on the whole, 99% of the time, I tend to use leggings and I wear different lengths. I have uh, long ones for the winter, which I'm wearing now, uh, that go all the way down to my ankles, where those lovely gaiters are. And I can also wear three-quarter length, which come to the calves, and of course, shorts. Now, obviously, if you are walking at a fair pace, you are going to get warm. So this is a bit trial and error again with most things. You need to make sure that you don't go out feeling hot, okay, uh, or feeling like you could get hot very, very quickly. So like with layers, I would say go out feeling like possibly you could get a bit chilly or yeah, you need to warm up a bit because when you do, it's going to become mightily uncomfortable when you're wearing clothes that you just can't take off or can't store anywhere. So have a little think about that and get used to what it is, uh, what's good for you. So obviously summer, short it up all day long, if that's for you. Not everybody likes wearing shorts. Some people find they wanna just keep that material around the legs, because it's more comfortable. It depends on the shape of your leg as well. Uh, I, with everything, whatever I wear, always buy leggings or shorts or trousers actually with big waistbands if I can. Trousers are not always easy to buy like that. Um, so, and I found mine don't have a huge waistband, but my leggings and my shorts definitely do. And this is because when you're walking and you get warm, it can become quite uncomfortable around the waist area. So if you can get some fairly, most of the time, um, generally popular brands have big waistbands anyway, because they've learned over the years that these are more comfortable. So yoga leggings, cycling leggings, um, Generally, leggings for exercise are good. I would avoid cotton leggings. They tend to kind of, I don't know, they're not as movable. Uh, they're not as malleable, let's say, as, um, as uh, 
uh, leggings for exercise. They contain the right materials, so would definitely avoid cotton. Um, but I, not necessarily on my top, but I'll go into that in terms of layers, and that's a personal thing as well. But for leggings, yep, get the old spandex out. Apart from shorts and leggings, ladies, we have another option and it's the good old skort. So that's cross between shorts and a skirt. So if you feel like you want to feel a bit more feminine on the trails, um, you may wish to, that goes for you guys as well. Maybe you want to feel that way, um, go out and purchase yourself. Um, I don't know whether you want to call it a pair of skorts, a skort, I think it is, um, which has got like a little pair of shorts underneath and a skirt over the top so that's if you just want to style it out that could be for you i personally don't wear one of those i find it's just another layer to worry about so um but they're quite good if you if you want something that's a bit more discreet um and you never know i might try a pair one day and think they're fantastic so have a little hunt around go and have a look see what fits you try some out and uh, you can have flashy legs. And the final thing to say about legs is cut-off trousers. Now, over the years, these have become uh, really popular, actually. And I see lots of people wearing these, especially on holiday. People are going off for their family hikes and trails and all this kind of thing. And, uh, and they are wonderful. And you can get some absolutely brilliant makes. Um, be careful they're not too heavy if you go for this variety and they are awesome because you can unzip them just above the knee and you've got a pair of shorts but the only thing I'd say about that and I think you could probably predict what it's going to be is where do you put the bottoms of those trousers when you take them off now I'm going to go into vests and backpacks in a while but just bear in mind that there is only so much storage space and even though you think your lovely little rucksack is going to take all these bits and bobs, it won't be long before it's kind of bulging out of your back and actually becomes very heavy. So uh, those cutoffs are brilliant because it's two pairs for the price of one and you don't have to really judge the weather too much because you have that option there. So really, really good. Uh, they sell them all over the place in um, mountain shops and uh, outdoors uh, shops type shops they're particularly popular there uh, male and female varieties obviously are uh, available all over the place with lots of different colors so go for your life I don't personally wear these I don't find the necessary if I check the weather well enough I think uh, I could decide between a pair of shorts or a pair of leggings but uh, if you're going long distance and you're not sure or you, th or you think the weather's going to change, they could be for you. So take care of your legs because they're important. We're on to hands, those really important things. They're on the end of our arms. And they're the things that we swing when we walk, especially if you're going at a brisk pace. So they're super important to look after. And it depends on who you are. But if you have very warm hands, I'm completely envious of you because mine are on the side of chilliness. And uh, so I have to really pay attention to this and make sure that I take some gloves with me. Now I tend to take some gloves 
failing having warm hands to hold from the back end of autumn right through the winter and they kind of go up in tog as the season rolls by. Now, I'm in the southeast of the UK, so this is completely subjective and it depends where you're located. So you just have to judge it really on how you feel. But what I would say is that they're really, really good for uh, protection as well during the winter, for, for pulling branches out of the way and obviously keeping your hands warm. But what I would say is take some that are not too bulky. You're going to have to store them somehow in your pocket or your vest. And we'll talk about that later. And so they need to be accessible and somewhere where they're not kind of annoying you and really padding out your core in any way and getting in the way because it's just really annoying. So definitely buy some and definitely wear some. And even if you step out and you think it's quite a mild day, I would definitely consider having some in my pocket. Um, now, there are different types of gloves. There are thin ones and there are thicker ones. You can pick some thermal gloves up fairly cheaply. It's worth hunting around for a decent pair. If you want to pay $2.99, you can do that. Um, they go right up in price. But obviously the more you pay, probably the longer they last and maybe the more comfortable they are. Just make sure that you try them on before you buy them because sometimes the fingers can come up really short or just the thumb and you need to make sure they're comfortable. So when buying, just check out how thick they are, how bulky they are, and the size. And also, if you can buy some with some loops on, that's really, really handy because when you do want to take them off, when you're powering up those hills, you can hang them on your vest on a little carabiner clip, which I'll talk about later. But that's really, really handy. You can always clip them on somewhere rather than having to stuff them in your pocket. So that's really good. The other thing, is thumb rings on your layers which we talked about earlier those loops that you can put your thumbs through they're really really handy because because you can do that you'll find that your sleeve comes halfway down your hand so that will keep your hand half warm anyway and that might be all you need on some of your walks but then you can keep your hand nice and kind of temperate and then you can put on your thin glove and if necessary, you can put on your thin, thick glove. So it's all about layering, just like your core is. And another thing to consider is if you're going any distance, it might be worth removing your rings, especially the tight ones, because when you exercise, the blood pumps to your heart and your lungs, it doesn't necessarily pump a huge amount to your fingers. So what happens is the blood vessels in your fingers open more to say, I need some more blood, please keep me warm. And your fingers tend to swell. So you can come back with a free medal of honour of some sausage fingers, which is always really good. Don't panic. They go down really, really quickly. Uh, you might also find that the ends of them go white like mine. Again, don't panic. That's Raynaud's syndrome. And... Again, it's just because your blood vessels are kind of screaming out for a bit of blood. They're not getting any. So the ends of your fingers go white. It's quite a phenomenon. Hey, it's a real minefield out there for hands. You can alleviate that, alleviate that a little bit by doing some arm swings and some circles. But please be careful if you're walking with somebody. Don't whack them in the face or hit a tree. That would be bad. 
And please, please like walk with your hands in your pockets. A friend of mine did that once. She was walking up a hill and she had her hands in her pockets because her hands were cold. She tripped over a tree root. And let's just say her nose wasn't as pretty as it was before for about two or three weeks. So don't walk with your hands in your pockets. And you can clench and unclench your hands as well. That's another way to keep the blood flowing. So look after your hands, make sure that you warm them up from the beginning because once they're cold, it's very hard for them to get warm again. The core, the most important, I think, after shoes, because the core is all about keeping at the right temperature. Too hot, uncomfortable. Too cold, uncomfortable. And you just can't focus on anything at all if you get into that situation. I'm obviously hot can't do too much about if you're wearing the right clothes because that depends on Mr Sun but let's start with cold because it is cold today and I've come out unsure really a little bit of how I'm going to feel because even though the Sun is shining in the sky it's winter so to use my brain a little bit and say okay I know it seems warm but remember Sometimes you can still get cold. Remember to add that extra layer, Kaz, which is exactly what I've done. And I'm really pleased because I'm walking along the canal here. It's very muddy. If I suddenly go, that's because I slipped. And it's very windy as well. So uh, there's various stretches of this part of the canal that are quite windy. And that's when you need to really think about this layering because what I currently have on is a long sleeved base layer followed by a thin base layer another one but it's thinner than the first one and that one has thumb loops in those favorite items where you can keep your hands semi-warm as you walk along and still have your fingers free for doing whatever you need to do on your phone for example and then on top of that i have a hoodie and on top of that, I have a wind-proof top. So that is waterproof, that one, to a degree. So let's start from the very first base layer. Now, again, personal choice. Uh, lots of people will say, oh, no, cotton's terrible. There's a phrase I heard recently, cotton kills on the trails. I don't tend to agree with this because I like cotton next to my skin. I don't get on very well with any kind of nylon tops I just find they make me really really hot even in the winter and they can kind of get smelly as well I think so don't like those so I tend to wear 100% cotton under layer like a long sleeved vest I guess you could call it and then that's me nice and kind of covered from the base up and then on top of that I mentioned that thin layer I actually wear it's a yoga top and I got one of these because uh, it covers my backside and whereas your muscles will keep warm because you're using them especially those glutes if you're sport walking as well going nice and quickly you'll be using those big big muscles to push your legs along um, and they will be warm however the fat around them 
and it doesn't matter how beautifully slim you are you will everybody has a layer of fat on their backside this is a nice conversation isn't it and that gets cold so you end up with bum chill so i wear uh, this yoga top which comes down and covers that area because my base layer my first one doesn't actually do that and it just means that I don't suffer from an ice cold backside uh, so that's that thin layer and that is more of a kind of a nylon-y type exercise material top but it doesn't matter too much because it's sat on top of the cotton so it's all good for me and then as it is winter I'm wearing Again, 100% cotton hoodie. Now this hoodie is a zip-up hoodie. And I always wear zip-ups if I can, because then you have a ventilation system available to you by just unzipping it or zipping it up. And they tend to come with a nice kind of uh, neck sort of covering at the top. You can pull them right up. And that's the thing that keeps my buffs in place around my neck. So that's good as well. And also, because it is a hoodie, it has a hood on. An extra head covering, should you need it. And if you don't want to wear a hat, but you come across uh, a chilly section, you can just chuck your hood up and chuck it back down when you finish. So versatile. Also, they tend to come with pockets. So if there's anything you want to keep particularly dry, you can put it inside there, which is inside your coat. And it just adds that extra layer so thumbs up hoodies for me and if you join these ultra challenges that i do i'm on at the moment as well you can order their merch and they usually provide some really good quality ones um, all sorts of events do and it's good because you can wear it with pride when you finish that challenge so definitely a winner winner so on top my wind proof top oh, and it's zip up again it's a jacket and it's fairly thin i have two versions of this kind of jacket i've got this one which is fairly thin and then i've got another one which is more of a shell type coat not shell suit <laughs> uh, that nice kind of shell material and that's a little bit warmer but it's slightly bit thicker than this one but this one will do for today because I know there is a little bit of wind around. Don't think it's going to rain, but it's all good. And also what's great about this is, again, it's got a hood, so you can quickly put that up if it starts to rain, as it did yesterday. And it has pockets which are zipped. And that is, oh, they're invaluable because I'm forever pulling things out of my pockets, tissues, headphones, whatever. And I don't want them to disappear into the canal or wherever so to have zip up pockets is a brilliant idea and you may or may not end up paying a bit more for those for some reason zip pockets are a bit of a premium premium although this one did not cost me an arm and a leg at all i think i just went to sports direct and bought this you're welcome sports direct so that's my final layer that i'm wearing today and that's what it's all about is layering up now if i did really overheat what i could do is stop bench it up grab myself a hot chocolate 
undo everything, take one base layer off, fold it up really, really small and put it into my vest or backpack and then I'm good to go and that's kind of released that heat. And that's the layering system. Obviously, we're talking about gloves. Uh, you can layer those up as well as we spoke about and you can make sure that everything is nice and toasty and connected. The other thing I need to talk about with this top layer, I've just remembered, is the adjustable wrist straps on them. Now these are brilliant as well because again, it's a ventilation system, but it's also a nice and cozy system where it's Velcro, I can make them tighter or looser on a whim. And sometimes I'm walking along and I've created a bit of heat and I can feel that heat coming out of my sleeve. Um, that's when I have released that strap on the end of my, on the end of the sleeve there, just to, just to let some of that heat escape because there's nothing worse than feeling sweaty, especially in the winter. Because in the summer you kind of expect it, but in the winter, nah, not very nice, don't like that feeling. So it's all about the release. Make sure as well, if you do get a nice windproof jacket, that uh, you check the hood out, make sure it actually fits your head. I've tried some on before and the hood has just kind of come up short of the end of my head. So uh, one with a lip on it as well is quite useful. That's really good to kind of shield your eyes a bit from the rain. Um, but just check it's not too big as well. Not too big, not too small. The other thing you might want to consider is if you don't want it to be so bulky and there's a possibility you might want to take it off is a nice, very, very nice light and thin version of a windproof top. Now this doesn't have to be waterproof, depends on the weather. And that means that if it's a bit of, it's one of those days where it can kind of go either way where you know it starts off chilly in the morning maybe maybe these are the sort of summer autumn days then you might want to take a really really thin one because you know at some point it's going to warm up the sun's going to come up and you can easily whip that off fold it up really small and again chuck it in your backpack or your vest so that's really good especially with ultras i would not wear this windproof zip up pocketed affair when I'm doing an event because I can guarantee it won't last long on my body unless of course it's winter very wintry um, then I might consider it as long as I know I'm going to keep it on for the whole time because this one would be too big to roll up so that's the sort of winter situation taken care of on to summer one layer, absolutely fine. And again, if it's a one of those days where it's gonna change from the morning to the afternoon or evening, then just chuck a base layer on the top. That's when I probably would wear, again, I tend to go for cotton t-shirts. Um, I do also wear the exercise type material variety because I know I'm gonna get hot anyway, so I'm not too worried about that. And uh, again, I'll chuck one of these yoga tops on first thing in the morning, knowing that I can again roll it up and chuck it in the vest. And next, oh I love this area and I spend quite a lot of time 
making sure my neck is warm. Um, like my hands, I tend to get quite a cold neck for some reason. And my most favourite thing in the whole entire world, I think, <laughs> uh, are buffs. And I'm a big fan, as you've probably heard on here before. And the reason I am is because they're so versatile. You can wear one, two, three, four. I mean, you know, as many as you like. You can build them up and get some good old scarfage going on there around your neck. And it's just really cosy. And the other thing is that you can kind of zip your collars up around it and it, they all just stay in place nicely. You can also pull them up over your face really easily. There's no messing around with heavy scarves. So definitely warn you off against those. Buying woolen scarves or using one of your favorite hand knitted scarves, big mistake. They're too chunky, they're too heavy. And when you don't want to wear them anymore, you've really got nowhere to put them. So definitely a buff all day long. And you can also use buffs these days as a face mask. So really, really handy if you're out for a walk and you think, I'm just going to nip into there and get myself a cup of tea or a hot chocolate. You can just stick your buff over your mouth and nose and you're good to go. So they're really, really good for turning into hats for your head. Tie a knot in them and off you go. And yeah, definitely the way forward. Always avoid, again, I would avoid uh, woolen scarves, but also fleece scarves. They tend to, for me, make me too hot um, and they're difficult to move around. They're not thin enough. You can't maneuver them around your neck. So I would definitely steer clear of those as well. So buffs all day long. And I think my best present from my friend was a set of them. There you go. Little things. Warm necks. <coughs> so our heads next. Brilliantly important because they contain our brain. All the things that we take in on our walks, all the lovely sights and sounds, and obviously through this podcast. And so we need to keep it protected on all different levels. For example, uh, apart from the cold, which we'll talk about in a second, low-hanging branches. And obviously in our heads there are our two eyes, which are probably the most important thing on our face. And so we really need to protect them. And recently I have invested in a pair of clear glasses. Uh, they're not the protective kinds you see people wear in the labs. They're not quite as bulky as that. Uh, they're more like sunglasses, but they're clear, which has prevented me tripping over tree roots in the woods in the winter because it's too dark. But what it's also done is prevented me from getting branches stuck in my eyes, which I have had in the past. Uh, certainly my face around my eyes, real near misses. So please protect your eyes with a pair of these if you are going to walk in wooded areas along paths with low hanging branches they're always a good purchase they were really cheap uh, so i've got myself a pair of those now to add to my arsenal and the other thing that's really obvious is to keep your head nice and warm now our heads lose around about seven to ten percent of our body heat through them so they are pretty important in terms of losing heat and that's really really handy in the summer not so handy in the winter 
brilliant cooling mechanism. But what we do need to do is ensure that we have something to cover it at all times. Now, I have a sneaky trick, which is to double up on my buffs around my neck. So those nice circular, thin, scarfy things that we wear. And I either double or triple up. If it's cold, I triple up. And if it does get cold, but not too cold, I take one of those buffs, tie a knot in the end, and I pop it on my head. I do look a little bit like a Christmas elf, but hey, who cares? And you can make them look fairly cool. They actually look like beanies, really. And they're really good for not too much covering of your head in terms of uh, thickness of hat. So they sort of prevent that big heat loss and allow your head to still feel okay. If it's really cold, obviously you need to wear a proper woolen beanie or similar. Um, I tend to steer clear of woolly hats with bobbles on because I find them, sounds ridiculous, but fairly heavy. And not only that, they tend to get caught up in my collars that I'm wearing, collars and hoods and buffs and things like that. And I'm forever adjusting them on my head. So I do tend to steer clear of those thick woolly hats, but hey, each to their own. You might want to wear one of those. And occasionally I do if it's really cold. Uh, you can obviously buy other types of beanies. Fleece beanies are quite good. Uh, they can make you sweat. I, I'm not a massive fan of fleece on the whole for that reason. So I tend to steer clear of the fleece. But you can get very good micro fleece uh, beanies, which again, protect your head pretty well. Uh, and you can always whip it off and stick it in your vest. Backpacks and vests. Very exciting, as they are extremely useful, and I wouldn't go on a walk without one anymore. If you're going for a light stroll, obviously you don't need much, maybe a pocket or two, but if you're going to take yourself off, especially with some nice brisk walking for a number of miles, you really do need something to store stuff in. So I'm going to talk about, as we are talking about going ultra light in this episode, going to talk about walking vests or running vests as they're often sold. Everything is running. They need to start changing their descriptions. So walking vests. I'm wearing one now. There, I wouldn't say, are a huge amount of them out on the market there. Um, and some have advantages to them. Uh, most have disadvantages to them. It's, for me personally, I found it quite difficult to find one that ticked all the boxes. Um, but I have one now, again, that make a Johnny, which I probably am in, uh, pronouncing wrongly, is what I have. I do find the zip is very weak, but, and it's broken. But apart from that, it's really good because it contains, for me, the right amount of pockets. Now, walking vests. Not as you'd imagine a vest you put over your head. They generally click up at the front uh, with two clips to keep it nice and secure. You put them, wear it like a, a kind of a life jacket type of affair. And what I tend to try and go for, I've had a couple now, 
is ones with pockets at the front. You can get lots of running vests which don't have any pockets at the front. They're usually for just holding a bladder, which we'll talk about in a second. So I require pockets at the front. Why? Because these are the things I carry in my vest. And I'm just going to list them as they come to my head. And luckily I've got one on so I can make sure I include everything. Okay, so in one pocket I have lip salve. Very important for me. I like to keep my lips nice and moist. Uh, if it's summer, they tend to dry. If it's winter, they dry. For me, I just like it there. Don't always put it on, but it's just nice to know it's there. In that same pocket, I have a toothpick. Oh, yes, folks, a toothpick. Why? Because when I'm eating my uh, energy bars, which is another thing I keep in my vest, and I always take at least two, however long I'm going, uh, usually I'm doing a minimum of about 10k so for me two is my minimum I might not have any I might have one uh, I might have both depends but you don't want to be caught short hungry because that's then all you can think about and as you will be walking nice and swiftly um, at a brisk pace soon your body will start to call for food so always have some of those so toothpick back to that when I've had my energy bar, usually it's a fruity one made up of condensed fruit and what's in fruit but seeds. And occasionally you can get one stuck in between your teeth. And not only does this not look very attractive to passers-by, but also it can really irritate. And if you are on a long walk and it's there, it's just going to stay there. And no amount of wriggling that tongue around can often, sometimes, it won't come out. So I always carry a toothpick with me. Um, and especially if you were on a really long one, on a 50 or 100k, and there was no way to get it out. Whew, what a nightmare. So always keep the old toothpick in there. Uh, so that's that. Also in that pocket, and it's not a very big pocket, it's tiny. It's got zip on it is a packet of tissues and they are the ones in the little plastic packets that you can get in boots or anywhere really other shops are available you welcome boots and it's good that they're in that packet because if it does rain you have that added protection nothing worse than a soggy tissue in the pocket so that's that little pocket taken care of the other one in there i usually put my phone that's right at the front. I'm accessing it all the time, really. Uh, whether I'm changing up some music or a podcast, such as this one, or I am looking at where I'm going on a pathway app. That's another reason why I might be accessing it. All sorts of things going on there. Might look to see how far I've gone. So I like to have it to hand. Occasionally I leave it in there for a while and just absorb the nature in silence, but it's always good to have that handy in a pocket. Uh, underneath that pocket, kind of closer to my body, is a secret compartment. And that one also has a zip on, which is great. And in there is a battery pack, a phone battery pack. Now, when I first started doing this walking malarkey, I didn't carry one of those and you only do it once when you run out of battery 
and you're stuck. You can't do anything. You can't phone anyone for help. You can't find your way if you need to. You can't listen to stuff. And for me, listening to things is kind of what drives me forward. So if I don't have any music or talking or whatever, most of the time, oh, I don't know, it just feels a bit bit flat and I lose the opportunity to learn stuff and I love doing that when I'm walking so battery pack all the time and also make sure your battery pack is charged because that can be an issue you think oh it's okay I've got a battery pack it's in there walking miles and miles and miles and one day you realize that you haven't charged it so make sure you regularly charge it the one I have has got four three to four charges in it so usually I kind of recharge it every two to three walks to make sure that's got lots of juice and also don't forget the little cable that goes into your phone done that before so very very important and if you are using some kind of tracking app such as um, well any any of them really any pathway app Strava Fitbit anything like that logging where you're going then that's going to pull down a lot of juice from your phone and your phone will run out of battery much quicker. When I did an unsupported 100K recently, I took three battery packs um, with me, but one of them was a bit of a gimmicky one that somebody lent me that they'd got from some work thing. And uh, it didn't work, I couldn't get it to work. And I'd used the other two because it was, such a long way and I was recording myself walking so I wanted to know what my stats were etc and I was also um, listening to things I was I was seeing where I was going as well so I was looking on this other oh it was terrible so I got to the end and it was touch and go and I thought and I needed someone to come and pick me up at the end and they weren't quite sure where I was going to be in the middle of nowhere really so always make sure you have one there are solar powered battery packs. The jury's a bit out on those ones. They hang from your backpack and the sun or the light is supposed to charge them up. But, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'd want to rely on those. Some of them are brilliant, but you do have to pay a significant amount if you want a really good one. And I'm no expert on those, but I'm sure you can find some information on those on YouTube or other places. So that's my battery pack, super, super, super important. In the other side, I have another pocket similar to my phone one, and in that one contains my sunglasses. Now, um, I didn't mention this in the head section, but sunglasses, obviously really important. I mean, not least of all for comfort, but again, they protect your eyes um, generally. And sometimes when I'm on a walk, I like to just be me, myself and I. And I see a lot of people on walks. And most of the time, I good morning it up over and over and over. But occasionally, especially if it's early in the morning, um, you might want to be incognito for about half an hour or an hour or something. Oh, chuck those on. It's easier <laughs> to avert your eyes. Anyway, I don't do it very often. That sounds very unsociable of me. But uh, it's very good, and especially in the summer, obviously. And um, I talked about the clear glasses, which I have today. And even though it's a bit sunny, you kind of, I kind of have to make a call. You could take both pairs. I don't try to because I'm going ultralight. 
um, and I usually find one's okay. So sunglasses or, or windproof glasses in that pocket. On the front as well, I also have some carabiners, mini, mini carabiners. They're dead cute. They're those things that when you're rock climbing, you put ropes through to stop you falling off the cliff, off the rock face even. And uh, you can pick these up oh, from the internet or I went into an outdoor shop and bought a pack. Um, and they're brilliant because they can clip on the front of your vest and you can clip things onto them. So I was talking about loops on your gloves. This is where they would go. I have a pair hanging from them right now with the loops that I can feed through into the little carabiner clip. And I know they're not gonna go anywhere. So that's what else I have on here. Um, I also have a spare pair of headphones that are wired because the ones I usually wear are uh, Bluetooth, so battery powered. And they don't last forever. I mean, everything runs out. Mine have got a brilliant battery. They last a long time, but not uh, always as long as a walk. And I usually find that I have to switch over if I'm on a long walk, that is, to another pair of headphones. So I always take a pair of wired headphones with me and stick those either in my pocket or usually in my vest in that zipped compartment with the battery pack generally. Uh, oh, I forgot, in that secret compartment with the battery pack, I also put a credit card or money. Generally, credit card. These days, money is waterproof, isn't it? So it's quite cool. Uh, but before they became waterproof, it was a little bit tricksy when it rained. So as it would be with, with the um, battery pack. So we'll talk about that in a sec. Um, but I usually just chuck a credit card in there. I can pay with my phone, but if anything goes wrong with that, I've got that extra thing there and generally nine times out of ten I never ever use that battery pack oh sorry that uh, credit card but if you get hungry in my case this is always something on my mind or thirsty or I don't know something happens then we just fancy a snack just fancy stopping breaking up the walking somehow um, you can bob into a shop or a pub or whatever you have, supermarket on your route. Go in there, give it a tap, buy what you need and on you go. Particularly good if you're making your own ultra and there isn't any food there, which usually happens with a supported event. Uh, when I did my 100, I sort of planned to pick up as much food as I could to fit in my vest from a town on the way so I just bobbed in there to a shop and picked up sausage roll etc so that's always useful to have as well okay onto the back now in these walking vests there's usually a pouch at the back which you can roll up your tops your windproof tops or base layers or whatever it was you want to take off you might want to store an extra pair of glasses in there whatever it is however uh, my one is always usually only used for a water bladder. I have a camelback. I would say that that is the best make because they are pretty indestructible. And their advert actually shows an elephant standing on it so they don't leak. There are other really good ones out there, but I like this one because I also like the, um, the amount that it holds. 
and also the tube that comes from it is really robust and I like the valve system on the end so you can turn it on and turn it off you feed it over your shoulder the tube that runs from the bladder pack and it's there ready for you to drink from it's so much better than taking water bottles because if you think about it every time you want to drink you need to take your water bottle out of a backpack so that means stopping taking it off potentially and reaching for it doing it putting it back in doing the zip back up etc and if you are going to be sport walking or walking quickly or whatever you want to call it um speed walking then you need to be drinking really depending on the weather i would say between every 10 and 30 minutes uh, this is really subjective to the weather and how hard you're working of course but so you need to have that available there and if you have it in your backpack then you'll be less inclined to get that out and give yourself a nice piece of hydration so that's that it's worth i think spending a little bit on those bladders and you don't have to fill it right up depending on the length of walk um, mine's a two litre one so if I'm going on a really long walk oh yes I fill it right up and the other good thing about it is it's got a brilliant twisty uh, water proof system and it's got like a little handle on that uh, cover to fill it up with so that when you do fill it up you can just twist the lid off hold it by this handle it's a bit difficult to describe and hold under a tap so if you are going somewhere or if you're on an ultra and and they have taps there to fill fill uh, your bottles and things up with water then you can use that little handle and it, and it holds it flat so you know you can get the maximum amount of water in there so that's that so that's the vest um obviously there is an option for a rucksack and you can still buy rucksacks with bladder pouches or they've just got a pouch in them so you can put what you like in there these vests come with a hole for that tube to come out as well so if you do get a rucksack make sure they've got a little hole and if you do get a bladder make sure you've got a little hole for the tube because that's always really useful and I wouldn't be without that either Uh, keep it small the rucksack these vests are really good because they are small and they sit on the perfect part of your back and there's no straps or anything to rub on your arms. I've had rucksacks and things in the past where um, you're walking along and as you're swinging your arms, it's chafing on one of the uh, buckles or one of the straps that are coming out of the rucksack. So just make sure that if you do go and buy one, that you kind of march around the shop and make sure that nothing's hitting the inside of your arm. Because in the summer, if you are wearing a T-shirt, you're going to get a really horrible sore section on your arm after a certain amount of miles. So you want a backpack or a vest that has nothing really on the side that's going to get in the way. And that's why the vests are so good, because they are just like over your head or around your shoulders and there's nothing at the side and they don't move about like a rucksack could potentially do. But if you're just starting off and you don't want to spend huge amounts of money, not that the vests are, some go up to a lot of money, um, you can get one fairly cheaply. But if you are looking and you think, oh, I just want a little rucksack for now, then just buy a very lightweight one. Uh, Thin kind of tent material is what you're looking for. You don't want anything which is uh, thick, uh, like kind of 
uh, like that kind of crisscrossy hard material, if you know what I mean, like big rucksacks are made out of sometimes. You want to stick to that thin material. Now, because these are quite thin, they are not generally waterproof. So there's a couple of things you can do here. You can buy a rucksack cover, which I have, and you can scrunch that up really, really small and kind of tuck it around. Some of these do come with their own covers as well, bespoke to the, the vest. So probably buy one of those if you can, if you are going to invest. Aha, another pun. Um, or, and or really, you can buy a waterproof spray. And I swear by these, I can't remember the make of mine, but you can buy them everywhere. And just spray the heck out of all the things that you want to be waterproof. If you don't have waterproof trainers, um, you can spray the tops of those in particular because that will kind of repel the water a bit. But you can also spray your backpack. Um, but if you are going to go out in heavy rain, then just make sure that you keep all your electrical items in a waterproof place. Uh, that's why I like jackets with zips, pockets, zipped pockets, because I know that I can, if it rains, instead of having my phone in that pocket at the front exposed to the elements, I can put it in my waterproof jacket and it just it keeps it dry so that's what you're looking for there so that's rucksacks and vests and the other thing i want to mention as well as that which kind of falls into this category is um first aid kit now i've invested in a bomb bag uh, variety so i <clears throat> bought this online and it's a bum bag and it contains all of the important things that you need so it has triangular bandage and uh, eye wash and anti-back wipes plasters etc etc all the things that you need as an emergency first aider but it's all very well having that and that's great especially if you're going off on your own or with someone else who's inexperienced but oh going up a hill it's got the old heart racing a bit um, but you need to know what to do with it. So it's no, no good having a triangular bandage if you don't know what to do with it. So even if you see a passerby fall over and dislocate the shoulder, what do you do? So I would heavily recommend that you go on a first aid course. They're not really that expensive in this country. I pick mine up for about... 80 odd pounds something like that um, which sounds a little bit expensive but it's a whole day and it really is invaluable I mean it you know it's uh, it's really worth the money if you think like once you have that knowledge yes you have to top it up every three years but it's just invaluable and it's not just for you it's for other people as well that you might see that hurt themselves fall over you might you might twist your ankle they might twist their ankle whatever but really, really good to carry one of those. And I tend to carry one of those whenever I go. Especially if I'm going to go in the woods uh, where there's trip hazards, things like that. Or today, it's dead muddy. Who knows what's going to happen? I might end up in the canal at this rate. So first aid kits, usually really um, uh, useful and if you don't want to carry one as big as that there are miniature ones again you can get one from Boots and other pharmacy type places usually or online and they are little plastic containers very light again they contain 
things like, oh, there's another thing, a space blanket, which is quite cool. If you come across a situation where you need to warm somebody up or yourself, then they're really, really good to have in your first aid kit as well. And in there, you can add other things to it, like uh, blister plasters. So if you're prone to these, that's a good place to keep them. And you can pop it in your vest or your rucksack and you're good to go. So that's what you're wearing on your body to store things in. If I think of anything else, I'll throw it at the end. I knew that I would think of something else. So here's the bit to chuck on the end. And that is for dry bags. Now, you can pick some up usually uh, maybe a few different sizes in one pack. Go for the small variety and go for the very thin variety. Usually most of them have fairly thin material these days. Um, I know they do them online. And they're brilliant because they're so, so light you can fold them up and put them in your rucksack or your vest. But if you have any electrical items, which you probably will, if it rains, especially unexpectedly, you can just take that out and put your stuff in there. And it has like a roll top to it. So you roll it down and then clip it together and your items won't get ruined. The only thing I'll say about this is that you've got to be careful that you don't leave them in there too long because I have had instances where they've got moist because maybe they've got a bit of moisture on them already and then you throw them in there and the moisture just kind of, you know, gets worse. So I've had my phone stop working for a period of time where the little the little guys inside say, hold on, I detect moisture. And there's nothing worse than that because oh, your phone runs out of battery and it won't charge and etc. etc. So if you are going to get one of these, just put it in for the minimum amount of time and make sure before you put it in that it's not moist. So there you go, your little add-on to the end there. As Baz Luhrmann once said, wear sunscreen. So, so important, everybody. I really do practice what I preach here. Every single day, I wear a minimum of SPF 15 in the form of a moisturiser in the winter. And let me stress, that's the winter, again, in the UK, in the southeast. However, I wear sunscreen all through the year every single day and even if I'm walking every day and I've built up a nice little golden tan I still wear it because it protects us against all sorts of premature signs of aging such as wrinkles oh my gosh we do not want those our uh, liver spots and other marks and also obviously the worst skin cancer so Please make sure, even if you are a man listening to this and you do not apply much to your face, as most men don't, please seek out some form of protection, especially in the summer when I up my SPF to at least 30. Oh yes, at least. And that's for all exposed areas. Arms, legs, obviously face. 
um, and I wear that as a matter of course before I go out. It's very easy to let this slip, especially if you're walking every single day and you think you can let yourself off the hook. It's so easy to burn and I've done this a lot, uh, especially my nose. That tends to go first. So please make sure you wear sunscreen. So welcome to the segment named Energy Bars. For me, probably, despite all the other things I've said, the most important food. Um, I will just probably cover off energy bars though in this, although there are lots of varieties of food to eat. But as we're going ultra light, I'm going to talk about these because they're compact, they're calorific, they're tasty. You can store them easily in your vest. Oh, and a whole host of other stuff. Uh, often they have recyclable wrappers. The wrappers are easy to store once you've peeled them off. And they give you a spring in their step. So I'm just going to go through the ones that I have. And firstly, I want to talk about good old Aldi. Now for me, Aldi's an amazing shop on, well, many different levels. That middle bit, for example. How on earth do they know what I want to buy from week to week in that middle bit? I mean, who's to know that this week I needed some drawers for my bathroom? And next week I need some Christmas lights. There they are. And the week after, what else have I bought there? I bought some gloves. Oh, slippers. I mean, the list is endless. So Audi are brilliant for that. However, we're talking about energy bars and they're also a brilliant health food shop. Their nut variety is unsurpassed, people. And the seeds. So if you fancy some nuts and seeds to take with you, you might want to make up your little own little trail mix is a really good idea. Then uh, Audi's the one. But they also provide fantastic energy bars. And they've got three or four varieties. Uh, I'll let you discover them for yourself. Uh, I've got one in my pocket, which I rather like. And it's named Palio Bar. There you go. From the Paleolithic era. It's probably dated back to then. It's been in my pocket a while. Oh, this one's almond and cashew. And literally, that's it. It's got dates, it's got almonds, it's got cashew nuts and almond oil. And that's it. So, nothing else. No baddies. And there you go. So, that's good. Carry some of those. They're gluten-free, these ones, as well. If you suffer with a bit of that. Um, so, yes. Those ones. And there's some tr there's true bars. There's some other ones in there, as well, that you might want to have a look at. So, there. That's what I get. And... Uh, from there and they're really good and they're, they're cheap of course so excellent buy a few boxes of those job done now the other thing I want to say is if I am on a longer one I do tend to buy from the guys at Chia Charge now they are awesome I discovered these again through Roger and uh, they are really lovely actually actually like heavenly I would say and they really do melt in your mouth they just fall apart so be careful when you're eating them because it's very disappointing to eat one and then a big chunk fall on the floor when they're so delicious so I would definitely definitely buy some from the guys and the girls at Chia Charge 
you can buy them online from them and they're excellent so those are the ones I eat apart from that obviously you can take your nuts as I said you can also make your own bars at home and I'll chuck a recipe at the end for you so there you go food okay so I told you I was going to put a recipe for some energy bars at the end but I thought do you know what I think I'm going to read it out because I love the way it's written and also it means that you can listen to it and stop the recording at any point whilst you're doing it so that might be a bit more useful so here we go this is courtesy of wellplated and uh, wellplated.com and these are for energy balls actually which are the ones that I've made you can store lots of them in the fridge and I'm just going to read it off as is okay so they say I consider myself a bit of an energy ball aficionado these sweet no-bake take treats take minutes to throw together are filled with good for you ingredients and make for quick portable breakfasts and snacks I have made dozens of batches of energy ball recipes over the years and while I'm constantly looking for fun ways to vary them up inevitably they come back to one simple foolproof formula today I'm sharing that master recipe for energy balls along with all sorts of tasty ways to use it to create different energy ball flavours. Okay, so we move on. What's that all about, well-plated? I cannot wait to find out. And why would we want to eat your energy balls? So they go on. Energy balls are the perfect healthy treat. No bake energy balls, and that's what's really good about this recipe, are gluten-free and perfect for healthy snacks and breakfast on the go. This is the only energy, energy ball recipe you'll ever need. Plus, I've created six easy no-bake energy ball flavour ideas. Thank you very much. Types of energy balls. Energy balls go by a variety of different names. Energy bites, protein balls, power balls, vegan truffles being but a few. These are dozens of recipes for energy balls across the web. Sorry, there are dozens of recipes for energy balls across the web. Let me guess, they're going to say that this is the best. Several of which can be found on a certain website that rhymes with swell dated. I'm going to have to look that one up. As much as I love trying different energy ball recipes and techniques, today's basic energy ball recipe is the little black dress of them all. It's comprised of four basic ingredients. Here we go. Take a pen, write these down. Oats. Well, you can use other flowers. Oatmeal is the champion. It's filling, inexpensive, versatile, and gives me the sensation that I'm eating oatmeal cookie dough. Oh yeah, so this is American by the way. And Americans love their cookie dough. Instead of a healthy snack. Yes! At the end. Next ingredient, nut butter. Nut butter, like peanut butter or almond butter, helps bind the balls, adds healthy fats and makes the energy balls sustaining. It's also delicious. I agree. Sticky liquid sweetener, aka honey or pure maple syrup. I use honey the most, but maple syrup is a really nice option if you like vegan energy balls or are making a recipe like these pumpkin energy balls and there's a link to that there which you can 
go to, uh, where the maple syrup's flavour complements the other ingredients. Finally, mix-ins. This is where the tasty experimentation begins. I like to do a combination of superfood additions such as flax seeds and chia seeds. Chia seeds, by the way, everybody, are brilliant for energy. Little addition there, who cares? Along with ingredients I love purely for their taste, like chocolate, chopped dried fruit, and did I mention chocolate? Let's start with the oats. I use and recommend, oh she's just recommended some oats there, uh, rolled oats though basically, because they are high quality, high in fibre, and for those with dietary concerns, truly gluten free. One of the questions I receive most often from readers is how I can state that my oatmeal recipes are gluten free when most oats on the market run the risk of being cross-contaminated with gluten. Mm. A real concern for those diagnosed with celiac. Yes, indeed, I have a friend who has that. Not very nice. Uh, she bigs up that particular maker. Brand, brand, I mean. Okay, even if you don't have a gluten intolerance, I still recommend that brand. She's affiliated with, with Bob's brand because the company is dedicated to sourcing. Okay, you can read the rest of that. Following the oats, we have the binding ingredients, nut butter and honey or maple syrup. I most often use honey and regular old peanut butter, but if you have a peanut allergy or just prefer a different kind of nut butter, any sort can be used. If you opt for the drippy, natural, refrigerated nut butter, your batter may be extra sticky. Simply add a few more tablespoons of oats to even it out and you'll be ready to roll. Next, flax seeds or chia seeds. Do you know what you can chuck both in, in my mind? Or whatever other superfood you bought a giant bag of at Costco or Aldi on a whim and now need to use up. You don't need a food processor to make energy balls and no fancy equipment is needed. Just chuck it all in a bowl. So, how do you make these tasty treats? Can you please tell us, well-plated? Now that we have our base, we're ready for the good stuff, mix-ins. While I've tried enough different mixing combos to open an Energy Balls food truck, <laughs> I most often find myself choosing chocolate chips and whatever else I can find in my pantry, because everyone's got a pantry, haven't they? Energy Balls equals legit excuse to eat chocolate at all times of the day. I like this math. She thinks she likes chocolate. If you aren't a big chocolate fan, and that is followed by crossed out, we can't be friends, fear not, I have a non-chocolate option for you as well. While there are many other methods to make energy balls that range from soaking and blending dried fruit in a food processor to using assorted grains and nut flours instead of oatmeal, today's master oatmeal energy ball recipe is the one I return to again and again. It's simple, I always have the ingredients I need to make it on hand and I only need to wash one bowl at the end. Bonus! Okay, with the approach of back to school life craziness at large, say that again, well plated, this easy energy ball recipe is also the one that I thought was most important to share with you today. <gasps> there a hidden message? They take just 10 minutes to prep can last two weeks in the fridge or in a freezer, in the freezer forever, or until you remember they are in there and immediately eat them. And are endlessly adaptable, so you'll never tire of them. Very 
taste this recipe. It sounds amazing. You've bigged it up for us. Wow. Uh, I have a short video showing you the energy ball step by step, as well as highlighting a few of my favourite combos. Okay. I'm reeled in. Prep time, 10 minutes. Total, 40. So obviously that's including being in the refrigerator. Okay, here we go. Now, this is in cups, but you know, we can all convert that quite easily, can't we? We have one and a quarter cups of rolled oats. One and a quarter cups. Two tablespoons of power mixing. That's those chia seeds, flax seeds, hemp seeds, or whatever you want. Half a cup of nut butter of your choice. Peanut butter, almond butter, etc. A third, a third of a cup of sticky liquid sweetener of your choice. Honey or maple syrup, third of a cup. One teaspoon of pure vanilla extract, quarter of a teaspoon of kosher salt. Gotta be kosher. I say just chuck cut some salt in. Whatever variety you've got. My face is getting cold. Half a cup of mixins. Okay. Oh no, we didn't. Half a cup of mixings. Right. So, oh, classic chocolate chip uh, is any nut butter and half a cup of chocolate chips. And she lists some white chocolate cranberry almond joy, double chocolate or chocolate, white chocolate, blimey, oatmeal raisin cookie. Love it, love it, love it. Okay, here you go. Ready for the instructions? Place all the ingredients in a large mixing bowl. Oats, power mixins, nut butter, sweetener, vanilla extract, salt mixins, and any other spices. Oh yes, because we have power mixins and mixins. Any other spices you'd like to add. Stir to combine. If the mixture seems too wet, add a bit more of the oats. If it's too dry, add a bit more of the nut butter. It should resemble a somewhat sticky dough that holds together when lightly squeezed. I imagine this to be a bit like, um, Flapjack. Place the bowl, actually it is, because I have made these before. Place the bowl in the refrigerator for 30 minutes to set. This will make the balls easier to roll later on. Remove the bowl from the refrigerator after set 30 minutes and portion the dough into balls of desired size. I use a cookie scoop, who hasn't got a cookie scoop, to make mine approximately one inch in diameter. I'd say use your hands and enjoy. And that's simply it. And what I tend to do, folks, is I put them in a freezer bag in the fridge if I know I'm going to use them fairly quickly or oh, throw them in the freezer obviously in the freezer bag so they're really really nice um, if you do make them too sticky they do tend to fall apart uh, and obviously as they're balls they're not as easy to store as bars but I would say you can make them into bars as well and I have done that as well so there you go hope you enjoyed that recipe from well plated and I will put the link in the description of the episode Well, I hope you got some handy info from that episode and I also really hope it encourages you to walk faster even just a bit and to perhaps set yourself some encouraging goals this year however small they are. If you're looking for some goals to achieve you can go to ultrachallenge.com and they set some really great real and virtual challenges and they've been brilliant in running those in 2020. You can also go to thresholdseries.com and those dudes organise four real events. Race to the Castle, a 100k along the St Oswald's Way in Northumberland, ending at Bamber Castle. Race to the King, 
an 85k route from Arundel along the South Downs way to Winchester Cathedral. They also run the Race to the Stones, which I'm currently enrolled on this year, and this one is a 100k event on the Ridgeway, the oldest trail in the UK, and that one is from Lucna to Avebury. And last but not least, Race to the Tower. This one is an 85k route along the Cotswold Way from Stroud to Broadway Tower. All of these events are brilliantly organised and have stunning views of the countryside, so even if you are just starting out to walk a bit more or a bit harder, I would strongly encourage you to join one of these. They give you so much support and drive to get out there and cover some mileage and you keep nice and fit in the meantime. Also, don't be concerned about some of them being described as a race. Let's face it, you are always only ever really racing against yourself and everyone is super friendly and there is always a great atmosphere at these events. And you can also sign up for the half event. So if it's 100k, you can sign up for a 50k. Just wanted to say at this point, there were no paid product placements in this episode, just my honest opinion, as I am an independent recommender. So as always, thank you a big old bunch for listening and for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And if you do want to pay the love forward, then do share, like, follow, subscribe and anything else you can do to support this podcast. I will love you even more. If you want to get hold of me, I'm at steppingoutthepodcast at gmail.com or you can follow me on Instagram and I'm on there as walking underscore with underscore Kaz. We'll take care until the next time, Steppers, and I'll see you soon.